new sermon series, a sermon series entitled Easier Said Than Done. And there are all kinds of things that are much easier to say than it is to actually roll up your sleeves and, and do. But today on All Saints Sunday, we begin this sermon series by taking a look at goodbye. Goodbye. It is easier to say goodbye than it is to never again be able to see that person that you love, that friend that is so dear. Sometimes in the face of loss, what, what really hurts so bad is we never really even got to say goodbye. There were things that were left undone. And I know that in many families, whether or not someone has said goodbye or not, had a positive experience the last time they were with that loved one makes a huge difference. In losing my own father, it was so much easier for me because the very last time we saw each other, we let each other know that we loved one another. And my dad actually kissed me on the lips. The only time he's ever done that in his life. And it was the last physical touch I ever had from him. And so today we really explore who or what are the things that we have to say goodbye to. There, of course, are a variety of examples, many of which do cause pain and suffering and grief, but our focus on this day are those loved ones, whether they were blood relative or just dear friend that we have had to say goodbye to. Those loved ones who are now born into eternity, who are a part of the great cloud of witnesses, who are counting the number of what we call the communion of saints. And because I want this to really sink home, I'm just going to go ahead and, and tell you very plainly, very bluntly, what my sentence of truth for this time together is. The sentence of truth for this day, this All Saints Day in 2020, is this, for people of faith, Goodbyes are not forever, are not the end. It simply means I'll miss you until we meet again. For people of faith, goodbyes are not forever, are not the end. It simply means I'll miss you until we meet again. So I want to spend just a few minutes looking at dying and death and bereavement. But then I want to follow that with a promise a promise from our God. And after we hear the promise from our God, I'm going to issue a challenge that I hope you'll take very, very seriously. And I'm going to end this short sermon with some really good news, the best news ever. And so on this day, in the face of mortality, there is a reminder that each and every one of us here and each and every one of you who are watching at home from the comfort of your own home, every one of us, too shall perish. We are all going to die. We heard a list this morning of 15 names that we've had to say goodbye to over the last year. But man, what a year this has been. There has been so much loss in this year. I know I'm not alone in, in saying that never has the world felt so upside down than it has during this pandemic, the year 2020. Global pandemic accompanying economic crisis, intense political division and discord, protests for justice and a better world for all people. And every week, it seems, each and every week, there's a new catastrophe 
or catastrophes somewhere around the world. Each and every week there is a new story or several stories that cause us to roll our eyes and say, come on, what next? When will this ever end? Do you remember what life was like a year ago? Well, on this day a year ago, we were shoveling all that snow that fell on Halloween. That's one, that's probably the only thing 2020 has up on 2019. But a year ago, life included parties and being social with one another, happy hours. We could travel wherever we wanted without fear, just hop on a plane and sit next to absolute strangers. And even if they're coughing, the worst thought we might have is, oh, I hope I don't catch that cold. It's different now. Even our mundane activities, like commuting or public transit, work days in an office, going to church and seeing all of our friends, shopping from groceries, kids that actually went to a school in a building that was not their own home, and hugging. Do you remember what it felt like to hug somebody? I miss the bro hug, you know, kind of situation that we guys are apt to do. That world is gone right now. We all pray that it will come back and come back soon. But it seems like every single one of these elements of normal life has been disrupted. It has been destroyed. It's been turned on its head. The world that we live in right now for many is strange. It is unfamiliar and it is downright scary. We have no idea what the future will hold or how long what we're experiencing right now will last but it is certainly a season of upheaval and uncertainty. A season of upheaval and uncertainty. A season. What a season. The Bible tells us that there is a season for everything that we humans can experience. Ecclesiastes 3. I'm just going to read the first four verses of this very familiar passage to us. For everything there is a season. In a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. This time to mourn. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, said something very pointedly to everyone who was hurting, everyone who was crushed, everyone that was in the midst of bereavement. As he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And maybe your eyes are welling up right now because that loved one that you lost has been gone for so long and yet you still don't feel that comfort Brothers and sisters, I, I just tell you, cry to the strong for strength. Run to your faith. But the reality about this mourning right now in 2020 is that there are more families that are mourning right now in the midst of this pandemic than, than there really should be, both domestically and, of course, worldwide, mourning for all kinds of things. Yes, the pandemic, the numbers of the pandemic are overwhelming, but also the numbers of violence domestic household violence sometimes that turns fatal is, is just on a rise. There is racially charged violence. In the journal Sentinel today, I don't know how many of you still get a newspaper at home or if you, you, you get it online. 
I went to Quick Trip this morning to to buy the caffeine that is required for me to stand up here on a Sunday morning, even though we did get one extra night, hour of sleep last night. But right there on the newsstand, in the very front of the Journal Sentinel, Milwaukee homicides reaching historic levels during the COVID-19 pandemic. Scholars talk about PTSD that is coming out of this pandemic, this world that is upside down, that is leading to so much grief. I read one person write this week, our misaligned and unholy priorities have been painfully and devastatingly evident over the course of this pandemic. As a result, we have a great many more names and lives to remember on this All Saints Day than we should. We know the numbers. I looked them up online to try and be as, as up to date, but even as I speak, they're already out of date. Right here in Wisconsin, more than 2,000 men and women, young and old, gone. Across this country of ours that we're trying to bring together, more than a quarter of a million citizens dead. Worldwide, more than 1.2 million, and there's no end in sight. And what really is, is hard is there have been people who have who've had to die alone because of their disease, because of, of uh, an abundance of caution to keep everyone in the hospitals safe. People dying alone, maybe only catching a glimpse out of a hospital window to their family that's gathered outside with signs and, and prayers and tears. Those that have lost somebody, you know, there's no funerals, there's no packed church to come together to celebrate a life that meant so much to us. Funerals are having to be done different ways virtually, or in small private gatherings. Now we know that, that those who mourn do so because they love someone who has been lost, but I wonder, do we care enough about those who have died in this pandemic to mourn them? Will we care mercifully for those who are being hurt by this situation, whether in terms of health or finances or safety? More than 1.2 million deaths worldwide. What do we do? As people of faith, we run to our faith. We run to our Savior whose love and grace extends to every person of every nation. Charles Dickens said, The pain of parting is nothing to the joy of meeting again. And so I told you after looking at the mourning and dying and death, I'd give you a promise. And it's not a promise that comes from me. It's a promise that God speaks through the mouth of the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 25, he writes, uh, here on Mount Zion, and Mount Zion is always seen as the home of the Lord. Here on Mount Zion, the Lord Almighty will prepare a banquet for all the nations of the world, a banquet of the richest food and the finest wine. And we know that in the Old Testament, anytime there is an abundance of wine or fine wine, it was imagery for being blessed by God. Here he will suddenly remove the cloud of sorrow that has been hanging over all the nations. The sovereign Lord will destroy death forever. He will wipe away the tears from everyone's eyes and take away the disgrace his people have suffered throughout the world. The Lord himself has spoken. 
When it happens, everyone will say, he is our God. We have put our trust in him, and he has rescued us. He is the Lord. We have put our trust in him, and now we are happy and joyful because he has saved us. This promise, this promise that it's not the end, that we're born into this world, but we're also born into eternity. Now, if you're paying attention to the dates, uh, as Janet, Pastor Janet and I were reading those names, you saw that, that three of those names were within the last week. I was at the bedside of two different people this week reading the Methodist version of The Last Rites, giving that person permission to go into the arms of the loved ones who's waiting. I heard the story at one bedside of of the man who's doing the the hard work of of trying to pass, of, of having glimpses of the other side, of seeing people that were in his life before, even saw a dog named a neighbor's dog that's been gone for 15 years or something like that. Incredibly powerful. But I've also received a call yesterday from young parents whose child died on Friday night of a drug overdose. People trying to figure out how to cope with everything that has been lost. But at each of those bedsides, I read the 23rd Psalm. And there's a line in there that says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. We heard about this incredible banquet, rich food, abundance of of fine wine. Friends, enemies on earth are going to be enemies no more once we've all been made perfect in love. No enemies in heaven. No cancer in heaven. No old age. No addictions. And so I, I mentioned that, that we need a, a challenge. You see, the, the good news is that we're not alone in life. That's because the sovereign Lord destroys death forever. We are in community in the afterlife, but we're also in community right here. So let me work up to this challenge. The great Reinhold Niebuhr once wrote, nothing worth doing can be accomplished in a lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing true or beautiful or good makes any sense in the immediate context of history. Therefore, We must be saved by faith. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we are saved by love. Did you hear those? Faith, hope, and love. I think I read somewhere that faith, hope, and love, these three abide. But the greatest of these is love. You see, nothing important, our best work is ever finished, our parenting, our service to institutions or causes that we care about, our research, our teaching, our practice of a profession, our building of a home, or building a life-giving relationships, never accomplished alone, it is never done. Who will complete our work? But here's the challenge. I know many of you knew many of those names on that list of 15 I know many of you know others that lived great lives that weren't a part of this community of faith that have been born into eternity. The challenge is this, who will complete the work of those we named today? 
And part of the answer is the idea that we celebrate this morning on All Saints Sunday, the communion of saints. We are not alone. We have been preceded by generations of saints who have lived and worked and loved and died in faith. These saints who from their labors rest, who is going to complete their work? And on the other side of it, we will be followed by others who will take up where we left off, people who will prosper the work of our hands and complete the work with which we are engaged. These saints, all of God's faithful saints who have passed, worked hard every day, doing the work to which they believed they were called or equipped for. As their day drew near, they probably knew better than any of us that a day would come when their part of the work would end and somebody else, you and I, for instance, would have to take it up and complete it. While I was writing my doctoral dissertation, I was introduced to a fantastic woman of faith in the Benedictine community that takes vows of stability. Sister Joan, uh, Sister Joan Chittister said, We do not do it alone, of course. We are companioned through life. Underneath it all, holding us up, are the people who love us. They stand by. They provide the unchanging foundation of love. And Madeline Engel said, Here we are on the border of Christian mystery. We are not meant to be separated from those who have gone before us. We might be separate for a brief time here on earth, but they are with us and we're with them, and we shall be united. I love the writing of Henry Nouwen, and he wrote a reflection after the death of his mother. I'd like to read it for you. When we can reach beyond the fears to the one who loves us with the love that was there before we were born and will be there after we will die, then oppression, persecution, even death will be unable to take our freedom Once we have come to the deep inner knowledge, a knowledge more of heart than of mind, that we are born out of love and that we will die into love, that this love is our true mother and father, then all forms of evil, illness, and death lose their final power over us. And it's that statement, born out of love, die into love. Friends, that is the hope and that is the promise promise you there would be a promise. That is the promise of the gospel. The dead do not die into nothingness, but they die into God. They die into a love that is eternal, that is unchanging, and will be forever. And so this good news, that in the end is our beginning. As we're leaving the sanctuary this day, we're going to hear that, that hymn, the hymn of promise, The first stanza says, In our end is our beginning, in our time, infinity. In our doubt there is believing, in our life, eternity. In our death, a resurrection, at the last, a victory. Unrevealed until its season. Something God alone can see. And so we cling to our faith, we cling to our Bible. And at the the very close of the Bible, we hear these words, uh, a reading from Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. 
See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Thanks be to God. Amen.